I am Jack Hampton, and this is the Hampton Hoops Podcast. Legend. Absolute legend. It's a throwaway year for LeBron James. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Let's get it. Happy Friday, everyone. On today's pod, I give you my game of the week, some picks for the weekend. And you know it's Friday, so we have that special conversation with that same special guest. Let's jump into it. Our first segment is Game of the Week, where I give you a game that stood out to me. My Game of the Week this week is between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. The Warriors won this game 122-108 to in Houston. Now, if you haven't seen the video of Kevin Porter Jr. talking shit to the greatest shooter of all time, I strongly suggest you see it. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and Curry reacted exactly how I expected him to. Towards the end of the third quarter, Kevin Porter had 11 points and was feeling himself a bit too much and stared down Curry and Curry did not even react to it. He didn't talk to him. He didn't even look at him. He just proceeded to score 21 points in that fourth quarter to put away the Rockets. Stephen Curry ended up with a 40 piece to go along with nine assists and five rebounds as well. He also hit seven threes in this game. To be honest, I'm glad Kevin Porter Jr. went at Curry because one, it was funny as hell. And two, Curry may have just gotten himself out of the worst slump of his historic career. Curry will continue to bounce back and I hope this is the start of it. The Warriors desperately need Draymond Green back because of his defensive prowess and his playmaking ability. I still think the Golden State Warriors are a real contender in the West, although I would pick Phoenix over them right now because the Phoenix Suns are the all-around best team in the league. However, Steph, Clay, and Dre in the playoffs is scary as hell for any opponent, and they definitely can make a lot of noise in a run to the finals. Let's get into my predictions for the weekend. We do have several national TV matchups in which I will get into. Uh, the first national TV matchup is on Friday on ESPN between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Dallas Mavericks in Dallas. Philly is coming off a loss after having that five-game winning streak. I'd pick Philadelphia in this game over the Mavericks because just the way they're playing is absolutely remarkable. They have really rallied around not having Ben Simmons all year, and I think their response so this shows the character of that team. Our second national TV matchup this weekend is on Saturday night on ABC between the New York Knicks and the Los Angeles Lakers in LA. This is two major markets and there will be a lot of eyes on these two mediocre teams. However, I will definitely be tuned in because one of my best friends is a Knicks fan. I think the Lakers win this game if LeBron James is back. Frank Vogel came out and said that LeBron's rehab is moving in the right direction. So who knows? I could see LeBron getting up for a Saturday night on ABC primetime matchup and the Lakers desperately need a win. Yes, they beat Portland on Wednesday night, but before that they had been on a losing skid that was pretty bad. Another national TV matchup is on Sunday on NBA TV between the Brooklyn Nets and the Denver Nuggets in Denver. Brooklyn has now lost six straight after losing to the Sacramento Kings on Wednesday night. I do not see them bouncing back in Denver. I think Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets take care of business against the Nets and that makes it seven in a row for Brooklyn. A matchup that is not on national TV but is intriguing to me is the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Clippers. I think the Bucks snap out of their recent slump against the Clippers and win on Sunday. 
Now it is time for my weekly conversation with Cooper Neal. We discuss the rising suns, how far the Philadelphia 76ers can go in the playoffs, Cooper's most improved player, and his defensive player of the year. And to round it all out, we play a little game called Contenders or Pretenders. Hope you all enjoy it. What up, what up, Coop? How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, man. Good to see you again this week. I got a lot of good questions for you. Let's jump right into it. All right. So out of the Western Conference, as you know, the Phoenix Suns are the number one seed right now. Um, They are 41 and nine, and they are winners of 11 straight after the defeat over the Brooklyn Nets on Tuesday. Are you taking the Suns to come out of the West or are you taking the field? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely taking the Suns. Uh, The Suns are not a team I'd want to play in seven game series right now. I just think there's a massive difference between uh, the Suns and then the rest of the West. And I mean, this could be a different conversation in two weeks, literally, if Draymond comes back and um, the Warriors uh, start clicking again like they were at the beginning of the season. It could be a two-man race or heck, even if the our Grizzlies or anybody like that jumps back in. I mean, this it can be a different story in a couple of weeks. You never know with basketball could be an injury hopefully not but there could be an injury just somebody starts slumping like Steph Curry just got through um lot can happen but I'd probably definitely have to stick with the Suns they're they're a dangerous team clicking on all cylinders playing incredible complimentary basketball um they have an incredible roster up and down incredible coaching um, I definitely have to stick with the uh, <laughs> the Suns on that one. Yeah, as crazy as it might sound, like I would take the Phoenix Suns over all the other 14 teams too. I mean, they're like I said earlier, they're 41 and nine, which is just outrageous. And dating back to last year, the d- addition of CP3, I didn't think that it would make them a contender. I thought it put them in the middle of the pack. I knew CP3 was going to bring some greatness out of those young guys, but I mean. It cannot be spoken enough. Everybody talks about LeBron in year 19. This guy's in year 17, and he is he has absolutely formed a championship team with this team. And they're so versatile. They can win so many different ways. They just match up against anyone. They can play small. They can play big. Someone different steps up every time. It was campaign in the playoffs last year. I watched them on Tuesday night, and Mikael Bridges had 27 points. And he's a role player for them. And it's just somebody different every time I watch them. And they're so good. And I don't know. They just don't make mistakes. And they have that experience under their belt now. Uh, 100%. I mean, their depth is incredible. And they don't even have uh, guys right now like Frank Kaminsky. Uh, last I checked, and they're not having him, and he was a, a huge role player last year with with them. And then, um, just they're they're so deep. I mean, literally, you can just poke a pin in their roster, and you'll find somebody. Like, I mean, literally, they can play anybody night in, night out. Um, early in the season, when they were having center problems, they pulled plug in Jalen Smith, who everybody was like, "Well, this dude was a horrible draft pick by them," and he comes in and looked incredible, could stretch yep. the floor, played really solid minutes. And then you're like, huh, wow, they have three serviceable centers with DeAndre Ayton, who's more than serviceable. I mean, dude's going to get his paycheck soon, um, proving that he was the number one overall pick for a reason. You got JaVale McGee, who's got championship DNA. And then you yeah. have this dude coming out of nowhere, playing really solid basketball. I mean, that's just one position, but they're so deep. Like you just said, Mikel Bridges one night can go off, and he doesn't even need to. His role is to literally – find the best player on the other team and d- defend them. Um, and he, he, most of the nights he lets 
Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton to the scoring. And then you also have a guy that we know very well in Jay Crowder, who plays mm-hmm. his role incredible. He's literally one of the greatest to play in his role on any team. Um, yep. And he's done it for so many years. Um, and he, he'll shoot a three. Um, and he'll go down and defend. I mean, that's it. what more could you want? And this team is just does it night in, night out. Um, and they're they're a fun team to watch for sure. I I agree. And Jay Crowder, you're exactly spot on. He is just an absolute dog. He can help all 30 teams in the NBA. And just to uh, go a little bit back to the Javale McGee thing, DeAndre Ayton didn't play on Tuesday when I was watching them, and Javale McGee started at center, and it, there was no hiccup with him at all. He uh, it's really been a resurgence for him. Yes, he played a little bit of a role in that Lakers uh, title team a couple years ago, but JaVale is just, he's been a huge pickup for them. And I never thought I'd say that in my life, but it's a good story. Jackson the Fool. Legend, legend, legend. Legend. <laughs> All right, let's go to my second question. The Philadelphia 76ers won their fifth straight game on Monday against the Red Hot Memphis Grizzlies. Most reports say there is no chance of Ben Simmons coming back this year. What is the ceiling for this 76ers team without Simmons or an equal All-NBA player that they trade for? I really can see them get to the conference finals. Winning it is a different thing but i mean at the rate that joel is playing right now it'd be kind of hard to count him out of any basketball game at the moment i mean they got their fifth straight win against the grizzlies without joel um so i mean like this team i mean everybody hears joel and b because he's the one having the mvp like season right now but if you look at their team they they have some guys playing some incredible basketball seth curry's playing arguably some of the best basketball of his career um you have um, the Kentucky guard. I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, Tyrese Maxey. Yep. He's he's blossoming um, and looks incredible. He's really coming into that coming into his own on that point guard position. Um, and then Andre Drummond comes comes in when Joel's not playing, and he literally does what he does to the Grizzlies every time we play him. And he gave us like a solid 2020 game. Um, and so like. They have, and then oh, almost forgot about the overpaid man. But I mean, as much as we talk about how he's overpaid, it's not like he's overpaid where he's like Chandler Parsons and he's overpaid and he is a horrible basketball player. He's overpaid, but he still is a really good basketball player. Without Joel, he shot 25 times, I think, and had like 30 something points. So I mean, like, he's a guy that can go and get you buckets and can win you games when he's on one. So, like, I'd be I'd be remiss to say that they couldn't make it to a conference championship game. Winning it, getting to the finals, is a different thing. But I would. I know you. I know you asked without a Ben Simmons like player. But I mean, if I'm, I'm if I'm Ben Simmons, I'd have to endure the booing just to see the amount of like the level that this team is playing at without you. To not yep. want to be out there and win games. Like I mean, that's the whole point of the NBA is to go out there and win games. And I just that that just sounds lame to me to not want to be a part of that. But I mean, obviously he doesn't want to be. But I, mm-hmm. I can see a conference championship run out of him. It, it'd be tough because I'm telling you, the East is deep right now. So it'd be tough, but yeah. I can see it out of him. Yeah, uh, with the Ben Simmons thing, I agree. You know, like him and his agent in the offseason are like, oh, you know, they're not going to do shit without you playing. And I mean, they're one game out of the number one seed in the Eastern Conference right now without. Yeah. Ben Simmons playing all year. And that's just unbelievable. I'm even going to go a step farther than you are, Coop. I, I think they can m- really have a chance to make a run at the finals with the way they're playing right now. I just think Embiid is that good 
And, you know, we saw Tyrese Maxey go for 33 on us on Monday. And this team reminds me of, they, they've rallied around the Ben Simmons things, obviously, but with this team, you know, extract the Ben Simmons drama from this. This team by itself reminds me of a 95 Penny and Shaq. Uh, Shaq was obviously in his prime. Penny was still young. And they made a run at the finals. They didn't win it in 95, but they made a run. That was Shaq's first finals. They lost in five games, but they still got there. Um, and Maxie is a future all-star, in my opinion. I think he can be a second option on a really good team. I, I, I really do think that. Uh, now, if we're talking about an actual, you know, favorite or a contender, they still are, you know, a move away, you know, moving off Simmons for another all-star away from that. But I could see them getting hot and Joel averaging 35, 40 points in the playoffs and Maxie, you know, hovering around 20, 25 points a game and Tobias being Tobias, you know, 17, 18, 19, he's going to give you every night. I, I could see it, you know, it's, it's a long stretch, but I could definitely see them making a run at the finals. I just feel like uh, the East is wide open. Chicago's fell off. Brooklyn has no chemistry. Miami is, they've had an up and down year all year, even though they're my favorite to come out of it. I, I think Philly could catch Miami. I really do. I, I see. I'm, you, you heard me swing that fence. I said conference championship, but I mean, you said it. The East is wide open. I mean, literally, if, say, the Bulls lose whenever they play again and the Heat win, they're the number one seed now. Like, I mean, it's literally everybody's right there clustered in with the one through five right now with Chicago, Philly, uh, Miami Heat, Cavs, and uh, the mm -hmm. Bucks. So, like, they're all jumbled right in there. And like you said, Brooklyn, I mean, I feel like every day is something new where they're falling apart. But, I mean, whew, Kyrie Irving, when he plays, man, I forgot how, how clean he is with that ball. Golly. Yeah. It's just – Nicest it's, handles. What, yeah, whenever I watch him play, I'm like, why do I have to dislike you, bro? Like, I know. <laughs> he's – so good he's so good and so smooth some of the best handles i've ever seen in my life you literally if, if any kids out there listening if you want to get some handles real quick you watch a Kyrie Irving yeah oh my god you, you just learn from him he i i'm not gonna actually i'm gonna say it. he might be the best handler from like our day and age Yep, well, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I was at that in 2013. Kyrie played in the Rising Stars Challenge, and I don't know if you remember this. I was actually at that game where he crossed Brandon Knight, made him fall, and hit a step back. I was, I was like, oh my god, who is this guy? That was before LeBron had came back to Cleveland. That was Kyrie's rookie year. So, uh, oh, that was with him. That's when he was playing Cleveland uh, before they got Anthony Bennett, Dion Waiters. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly, bro. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I used to love Kyrie back in the day. And then he, uh, even like before this, like vaccine stuff, I could care less about that. But it's just like, I mean, taking three weeks off last year for no reason. It's just like, dude, come on. You just want to shake him sometimes and be like, just play. Yeah. Come on. Sometimes, you know, I, this is a horrible comparison, but it's kind of the easiest one to make at the moment. He's kind of doing what Antonio Brown does. In the I was just not about to, the, to say that. Not to the same extent. Obviously, I don't think Kyrie would run off the court mid-game. Obviously, Kyrie loves the game of basketball because you wouldn't come off of the massive hiatus from playing the game that he has and still look as crisp as he does. Um, yep. But he's it's some of the same. You just wish sometimes that the really good ones could keep their off the field stuff off the field yeah. you know what i mean yeah exactly it's like it's exactly like watching ab run a route and you're like 
God, he just broke that corner, and he hasn't played in like two years. <laughs> yeah, and he's and he probably won't ever get another contract. Oh no, he's 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 done. Yeah, he's definitely played his last. But let's move into my third question, which is who is Cooper's most improved player and your defensive player of the year? Oh. Ooh. All right, we're going to start with a uh, defensive player because I think that one might be easier. We're talking about this right now, but it could be a different conversation. Certain people come back. Um, so I'm going to give you the one that I think is probably going to happen, and I'm going to give you the one that I think should, um, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Uh, so the one that's probably going to end up happening is Giannis. Um, just because his, I mean, his defensive stats are his defensive stats. He's a reigning defensive player of the year, MVP, obviously. Or he's not the reigning defensive player of the year. He's a former defensive player of the year. He has the stats. He, his defensive rating is always top of the league. His rebound stats are incredible. Um, and he's obviously on uh, the contending for the number one seed in the East right now. I think they're a game behind or a game and a half behind. I don't really remember how that works over there, but um. I mean, he's probably going to be the one that gets it. Now, this could change. If if you had asked me prior to Draymond Green going out, I would have said it was Draymond's to lose. Draymond was playing lights out defense. Um, and I really hope he gets well soon because I really do think that he, he could win that award um, this year. But I'm gonna, the person I'm going to give you is someone who's been on the come up recently. Um, he's enjoyed the likes of Miles Turner, who was leading the league in blocks. Um, be injured and uh obviously um Draymond be hurt but uh Jaren Jackson Jr. would be a guy that I would seriously people should not be shocked if he comes up and wins this award he is averaging two and a half blocks a game and leads the league in blocks total blocks this season and he also doesn't just do it with blocks he scores on the other side too I know that's not a defensive player stat but I mean his defensive rating, he'll have, I think he had back-to-back-to-back six-block games or something outrageous like that, which, I mean, six blocks is a pretty dang hard thing to do. Um, I know Mitchell Robinson just had eight on the Grizzlies, but, I mean, six blocks is a pretty hard thing to do. <laughs> um, not just one night, but back-to-back nights is a pretty crazy thing to do. Um, and, I mean, his defensive uh, prowess is just in out of this world. So, I, I could see that happening. That's the one I wish would happen and I think should happen because of the way he's playing and like just his ability to really deter some shots and allow uh, a already good defensive team. I know we weren't saying that at the beginning of the year, but an already good defensive team just to make them even better. But Giannis and Jaron would probably be the two. And then, of course, if Draymond comes back, um, I think those would be your, probably your top three vote getters for defensive player of the year. I, I agree with that. I'm, I'll just run through mine real quick. Mine's trip as well. Jaron Jackson Jr. is he's just been an absolute menace this year. As you said, he leads the league in total blocks. He's third in blocks per game behind Rudy Gobert and Miles Turner, two guys who have spent extended amounts of time out. So I think that's huge. And he's also in, he's also second in block percentage as well. So every block statistic Jaron is in. And he also, I mean, he grabs a steal a game as well. So it's not like he's just swatting people. But um, I completely agree with you. And the other two, Giannis, yes, I could definitely see that happen. Draymond was the forefront of this whenever uh, before he went out for his back. But, yeah, I definitely agree. Shout out Michigan State. <laughs> we just named a couple Michigan State. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. Tom Izzo's right. got some dogs, yep. Got some dogs. And, I, you know, I completely forgot about Gobert. Gobert is always the one that's in the forefront. But I didn't mention him because he has, like you said, been injured a lot this year. And so that's also helped Jaron Jackson's case. But I think it's a – yeah. 
with the injuries right now, I think it's a two-headed race between Jaron Jackson and Giannis. Just to touch on the Gobert thing, I think that's fascinating because he's been out a while, and you and I, I mean, we we've shit on Gobert, you know, our fair amount, and rightfully so. Not a lot of people like Gobert, but to be fair, the Jazz have lost, I think, four or five straight now in 11 of their last 13, and Gobert's been out for those. I mean, so that shows what an anchor he is for that defense. So just, just to give Rudy a little bit of love, I had to. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, like you said, we give him his fair share. Um, yeah. <laughs> I also, I'm going to be real. I really don't think he deserves the Defense Players of the Year award that he gets because he doesn't defend on the wings. Um, like, I mean, if, if you and I saw John Moran get switched on to Rudy Gobert at the top of the key, we'd say, give me that two points and go ahead and jot it down. Yes. Because John's going to run right Please. past him. But when he's down, when he's down low, I mean, not many people are getting a shot over him unless you're Demetrius. Yeah. Um, exactly. But like, but like, you know what I mean. And also, the Jazz have just kind of had some. It seems like some personnel player issues <laughs> in the locker room. Um, and also, yes. shout out uh, Joe Ingles. Uh, hopes and prayers he can yeah, come back yeah. healthy next year. Shout out, dude. As, a culture king, dude. We need him back on the floor. I know, dude. And like, as much as we hate the Jazz. Joe Ingles is a glue guy for them. So it's really disappointing to see him go down with an ACL tear. And one more thing about this before we move on to our MIP. Um, just a comparison between Gobert and Jaron. Jaron is a lot better at switching than Go Gobert. I feel like I, I feel comfortable with Jaron switching every screen he's on. Um, he's just that versatile of a defender. Oh, 100%. And I don't, rem you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the Washington game uh, or it was the Jazz game uh, a few games ago where he literally was at the top of the key and they threw the ball like tossing it around the uh to the next guy open and he literally lunges and blocks the ball um one on two and they literally threw it to the wide open dude and he swats it um and i was like you just can't teach link you just can't teach teach that like i mean that's and he's out on the three-point line doing that and so like i 100 percent agree with that like he switches so well because he's so athletic like i mean yes he's this almost a seven footer at 250 pounds but he's so long and athletic that i mean it's really hard to st stick with his size and athleticism he is the true unicorn like i mean i know everybody talks about like when james wiseman was coming out that he's the unicorn also, obviously we haven't seen him play very much so we can't for sure say he is or isn't but like evan mobley is the second closest that i've seen to a unicorn's type like jaron um, and it's just mm. really hard to teach things that those guys can do with their length and size and athleticism. Yeah. No, you're you're exactly right. Who is your most improved player this year? This is this is a hard one because there's a, there's a lot of deserving guys. So I'm probably going to do a little similar to how I did the defensive player of the year. I'm going to give you the guys that I think will win it, and then I'm going to give you the guys that also get some love. Um, mm -hmm. The guy I think will win it, and I know we're we're kind of honing in on some Grizzlies, but I mean. I, just because of the way that I think this award kind of works, um, I think John Morant could win this win this award. Um, he's gone from 19 points a game to 26 and a half um, on better shooting and efficiency. Um, he's leading the league in points in the paint, and he's 6'3". And the next two guys behind him are both 6'11", with Jokic and Giannis. Um, he has uh, one and a half steals per game, seven assists, six rebounds. And he's shooting 50% from the field and 35 from three, which is his career high. Um, so I think he could 
for sure win this award. And I think he might just due to the fact that the Grizzlies are the number three seed, the fourth youngest team. I really, and you know, as well as I do, a lot of these awards don't always go to the most deserving people, but they go to the people that are on really good teams and uh, have the stats for it. Um, and so that'd be, that'd be a guy that I think could easily win it. Um, but I, if we're being real, I, I hope he wins that MVP over MIP. But uh, that's just me. Um, yeah. And, and another guy that I think, well, he's not really on an incredible team, but uh, so we'll kind of just, we'll do Ja as my front runner, then I'll, I'm going to give these other guys some love. So this is going to be a five-man race for me. Um, is DeJounte Murray. I know we hit on him a little bit last week, but 19 and a half points um, is a career high. Um, two steals is a career high. Nine assists is a career high. Eight and a half rebounds is a career high. Um, 50% from the field. I mean, this dude is just a menace, long, lengthy guard. Um, and he, he's just finally blossoming into what they thought he'd be. And so I think he could be in serious consideration. I know that's not as big of a jump as far as points go, but I mean, assists going from five to nine, um, that's pretty outrageous. Um, and to do it with the same amount, almost the same amount of turnovers that he had the previous year, he has literally... 0.8 more than he did last year which I mean that's not that insane uh, with the amount that the ball's in your hand and with how much more assist you have um, as opposed so I could definitely see him um, this next guy also comes from the 901 um, Desmond Bain uh, lethal he got he went from nine points to 18 points a steal two assists four rebounds on 50 40 almost 90. Um, which is a very prestigious group to be a part of. I mean, shooting 50, 51% from the field, 42 from three, and 89.4 from free throw line. So, I mean, and he's turning into a legitimate star. And it's crazy. We were just watching that ESPN game with the Knicks and the Grizzlies. Shout out Grizz for getting that dub. But mm-hmm. It's so funny listening to announcers say, man, I should have watched some TCU basketball. Um, just <laughs> how many times we've heard this year, Desmond Bain is this good. Like, I mean, it's just crazy that people really don't understand how incredible of a basketball player Desmond Bain has turned into. I mean, it's not just a Kyle Corver set and shoot. He literally is the flyby king. Um, he, he learned from that Ray Allen dagger of a three in the NBA Finals. <laughs> to just always pump fake and they'll fly fly right past you. Yes, sir. And then uh, these next two guys might be my favorite ones of the bunch. Um, I know I mentioned those three, um, but these two guys might be my favorite of the bunch. Um, the first one comes from Miles Bridges of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, he went from 12 and a half points a game to 20 and he's playing six, I mean, he's playing six more minutes. So, I mean, obviously you'd a little bit more minutes, um, but I mean, 12 to 20 is a pretty impressive jump. Uh, career high in blocks per game, career high in steals per game, career high in assists per game, career high in rebounds per game, um, and shooting it really well from the field. Um, I could, D- Miles Bridges is a fun one to think about. He also had an insane block. John Morant S, like double palmed off the backboard um, type of block against the Celtics and I don't know if they won or lost I didn't see the final score on that one but uh insane block um and then this last one is definitely my favorite other than Ja um Anthony Simons he's a guy that probably doesn't get as much love 
and he probably will not even be mentioned anywhere near Ooh, this conversation. I like that, though. But he took full advantage of Damian Lillard's injury. Um, he got the starting job, and he has not looked back. He has played incredible basketball. He is shooting 50-40-90 right now. Um, or that's his efficiency. He's shooting almost 50-40-90. <laughs> um, he went from 7.5 points a game to 15.5 points per game. Um, he's up two assists from last year. Uh, same on the assist, but I mean, this guy is blossoming, uh, really efficient. I mean, and he had dunk contest champion. Um, yeah, I think he I think did he win it. it last yeah. Year. yeah, he did win it last year. Yeah, um, dunk contest champion, but he is shooting 40% from three and 49% from uh, the field and 90% from free throw. So, not just a dunker. Um, I didn't even realize he was a dunker until he was in that dunk contest. I mean, that's a dude that's. Uh, taking full advantage of a starting role was a, already turning into a really solid bench role, maybe a six-man type role like a Lou Will or like a Jordan Clarkson, um, but he's blossomed into a really solid and serviceable uh, starting point guard for the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, I definitely like that Anthony Simons. He definitely deserves to uh, get mentioned in this conversation. Uh, I think it'll probably be Miles Bridges that wins the award, but uh, my pick just to just because I don't know, I, I really have fell in love with this guy over the past several weeks. Is Tyrese Maxey? Just the way he stepped into that starting point guard ro- role for Philly has been huge. He's had a nine point jump in a scoring from eight points per game last year to seventeen. He's also had a three assist jump from two to five, and he just reminds me of a De'Aaron Fox on a good team. He's got that same speed that Fox has. I think he has a little bit better shot, to be honest. And just for a second-year player to be playing like this, with all the drama going around in that big market and how tough the Philly fans are, I think that is uh, just a huge upgrade for them. And he's looking like a you know a solid second or third option, like I said earlier. Dude, that's a really good one. I didn't even think about that. He's, he's also shooting. He's shooting 49% from the field, 40 from three, and 86 Jeez. from the free throw line. So that's... I mean, this this is a prestigious group to be a part of a 50-40-90 club. So it's kind Oof. of outrageous that three of the guys that we just mentioned in our most improved player award are almost in that club, which is super hard to be in. I mean, what is it in there? Like a there's five total people in the 50-40-90 club. Yeah, three. All three of these major awards this year: MVP, MIP, and Defensive Player of the Year. They're all still wide open. Yes, Joel is probably leading the MVP, but who knows if he's going to be healthy? There's definitely guys you can throw in there as well same with the MIP MIP and defensive player of the year are I mean they're just as wide open as you can be so I mean it's it's gonna come down to the stretch it's gonna come down to the wire and you know I'm gonna grab my popcorn and be here ready for it shout out to Lane Giffen grab your popcorn dude he's been wilding lately dude <laughs> transfer, transfer portal king he is yeah man. shout out them rebels but yeah dude I'm loving the fact that we have a really we have we've had a really fun NBA season this year and it, I mean that's just leading into really fun and uh, enticing races for every single one of these awards. Exactly. All right, so now we're going to play a little game called Contenders or Pretenders. I'm just going to name a team, and Cooper's going to tell me whether he thinks they're a contender or a pretender in the playoffs. So my first team I give you, Coop, is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, contenders. 100% contender. I love this Cavaliers team. Um, they're they're making me a fan of them yet. Um you have a guy. I think you might have two all stars. You might have two guys. They're sitting right there in that bunch uh, to contend for the one seed. Darius Gar- Garland is blossoming into a really solid 
uh, all-star type level point guard and then you have th- four massive human beings playing for you you literally have all the trees um and evan mobley kevin love uh jared allen and maury Markin. um i think i saw a stat the other day when i was watching basketball i can't remember which game but it put up like the biggest jump in percentages since december and lori marketing was right there on it. and i was like well i haven't really been paying attention to him i didn't i've never really enjoyed lori marketing but i mean <laughs> when you're playing when you're playing with three other seven footers who are incredible at what they do um it's really hard you, you can be easily overlooked because evan mobley's in my opinion rookie of the year right now and right there in contention with kate cunningham and he's an incredible two-way guy and he can blossom into an all-nba type player Jared Allen is incredible and I think should it should be an all-star this year um and then you also have Kevin Love who's having a resurgence over the season um and then of course you got young guys like Isaac Okoro and Chetty Osman I think that's how you say his name oh yeah <laughs> and I mean this is also a team that lost Colin Sexton who a year ago was their leading scorer and Ricky Rubio who is one of the best six men in the league um so I mean this is that's a really solid team and I really like them I just think they're a tough team to have to match up with every night because of their size. And I, and they're, just, I mean, obviously, every time the Grizzlies played them, it's been a fun, tough game. So I really think they are a contender. I think that's a great point you had about Rubio and Sexton going down because that's not really talked about enough this year. I mean, they're doing this without two of their, you know, guys that play big roles for that team. I think they have a great core of young players. I think they're a great regular season team, but just in my opinion, I think they are pretenders. I just. I, for the playoffs, I don't think they have enough star power there. You you want two or three all-stars and one or two all-NBA guys, and I don't think they have that for the playoffs, especially when the game slows down. Uh, Garland can only get so many touches, and I, I, I think they'll get bounced either in the first or second round, but I think it's for them that's a fantastic year nobody expected them to even be in the playoffs much less a top four seed in that eastern conference so i think it's a great year for the Cavs. and like you said they're probably a piece away i don't think this is their year to win at all um i definitely think they'll give whoever they match up with um which i say that if the, if the playoffs started today they'd be matching up against Giannis, which that'd probably that'd probably be the one team i wouldn't want to see them have to play but um <laughs> I, I feel like they're gonna it's not gonna be a four game series whoever has to play them um i i definitely like this team they have a really good thing going i love jb bickerstaff really that's a really solid team for years to come really young core um and if they can keep it together stay healthy they can be a really really dangerous team mm-hmm. i agree we're gonna move on to now the miami heat contenders or pretenders definitely contenders my i have to stick with the contenders because they were my pick to be the team coming out the east a couple weeks ago um i'm gonna stick with it jimmy butler if he had played enough games i think would be an all-star lock as he normally is um bam Adebayo just recently came back and he is a monster i love bam Adebayo. um and you got guys like max drews tyler hero duncan robinson whoever you want to come out there and just shoot threes they got it. Um, and you have a all-star point guard in Kyle Lowry. Um, solid team. Um, and obviously, they're two years. Yeah, two years from being in the NBA Finals. So, I definitely think they're contenders. And you also have one of the best head coaches um, in Eric Spolstra. I mean, I mean, he's got championship DNA in his blood. So, um, I definitely would have to say contenders with them as well. Yeah, I, th- I think it's – I think it's a – really simple answer here it's contenders as well i completely agree with you jimmy butler is just 
so different in the playoffs, man. He is he's clutch. He's a dog. He's not afraid of anybody. And he, that DNA matches up with Pat Riley's culture there at Miami Heat. And that pickup of Kyle Lowry has been huge for them. Uh, they they really needed good point guard play. I think that's what they lacked in the finals with Kendrick Nunn being your starting point guard. Lowry's been big for them. And, you know, like you said, Bam's right there as well. So we're going to move on to our third team, the Memphis Grizzlies, contenders or pretenders, Cooper? I'm going to say contenders too. I know we're obviously I'm saying everybody's contender tonight, but um, I mean, this team, I mean, they're definitely exceeding expectations as they always have in this tenure of John Morant. Um, because every year they've been told they weren't going to be very good. Um, and they, they're they always exceeded. I mean, they have a firm grip on the three seed right now. Um, and if you put them in the East, they're the number one seed. So, I mean, this is a team that I think matched up really well with any team, just based on our depth and our versatility. Um, tonight, or against the Knicks, Ja didn't even have his best game, but Zaire Williams couldn't miss. D'Anthony Mountain couldn't miss. Jaren couldn't miss. Um, and... Jaw was like your third or fourth leading scorer. Um, so, like, this is a team that really, really unselfish team, really deep team. Um, do I think they're a piece away? Yes. Um, I'm really interested to see how they compete in the playoffs. Um, obviously, we saw them last year, and they were uh, one and done after having an incredible run in the playing games to get to the, uh, the playoffs, obviously. Um, and won the first game from the Jazz, but then Donovan Mitchell came back. They kind of obliterated us, but I, I really will be interested to see how this team fares in the uh, playoffs and also the trade deadline and then how they handle the offseason, but they are definitely going to be contending for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. as much as it pains me to say, man, I just I, I do think we're pretenders this year. I think we have a very, very bright future ahead of us. Our team this year reminds me of the Jazz last year. Just a collective of guys that plays hard, plays for each other, and exceed expectations. I think if we make it to the second round, I think that's a really, really good year for us with the regular season we had if we made it to the conference finals i think that's a great year for us uh conference finals is definitely plausible but i don't know you know we'll see because i don't know if we have to match up with either phoenix or golden state in that second round that really makes me nervous but um as you said we have an amazing depth and we have an absolute superstar in john morant but our problem is we have a lack of playoff experience right now and that'll come with time we'll, we'll be contending for the next decade or so in my opinion um even though we you know lack playoff experience i still have us a tier above the Cavs because uh, I, I just you know our star power is a little bit better and uh I, I feel like you know we're better on the defensive end as well so uh that is my uh conclusion for the grizzlies sadly but i think we're uh, very very close and i look forward to the years to come for our grizzlies yeah 100 percent. and you know you can, you probably said it better than i have i'm i'm putting that contender label on um, and I'm mostly thinking with a futuristic type goal, you know, with both the Cavs and the Grizz, just because they're so young, like you said, not much playoff experience. I'd probably even venture to say that the Cavs have a little bit more playoff experience just because of the fact that they have a man named Kevin Love um, mm-hmm. and a Rayshon Rondo and guys like that. Um, so they've played a little bit more in the playoffs and even championships. So they probably have a little bit more than us even. Um, but it'll be definitely interesting to see how they play. So you, you probably put a better label on it, pretenders this year, but contenders for years to come. 
Um, and that's probably Fair. the way I'm. That's probably a better way to explain it than the way I'm explaining it. Still think we're a tier above the Cavs, though, for sure. I mean, if I know this, we're East and West, but I mean, if we were in a seven-game series, the Cavs, I'd take us in five or six, to be honest, just because. Uh, I, Cavs are a really good team, but I, I still think we're a little bit above them. But I, I still oh. think we're pretenders, sadly. 100% agree with that. I mean, I, I don't remember. I think we played them twice, um, and I think we beat them both times. So I, I definitely think we'd get out of that matchup pretty pretty easily. Um, but I definitely think that the Cavs and the Grizz are two of the brighter young teams in this league to uh, contend for years to come. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. All right, we're going to get to our final team now, which is the Brooklyn Nets, contenders or pretenders. Here's my first pretender label of the night. <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry. This team, it, it'd be different. Like, I'm, It's crazy to think that we're saying pretend that I just said pretender about a team that has Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden on paper. This team should be forty-one and nine with the Phoenix Suns. If you literally said, "We'll use a different team than the Phoenix Suns," if you said Utah Jazz or Brooklyn Nets, who has a better record right now, there wouldn't be a soul in this world at the beginning of the year that would have said the Brooklyn Nets are worse than the Utah Jazz. But they are. Brooklyn has you. You rarely see their big three play. As much as it sucks to see Kevin Durant struggling with injury, um, James Harden not struggling i mean obviously i think he's still gonna be an all-star um but he's just not playing the james harden basketball that the mvp type james harden basketball and then after that you're relying on a bunch of guys that you have on two-way contracts or lamarcus aldridge who was in a boot the other day blake griffin who is still a great nba player but i mean just not gonna he's not pushing the needle um and then Patty Mills is having an incredible season, so I'm not going to say a bad thing about Patty Mills because I swear every time the Grizzlies play against Patty Mills, Patty Mills has 80,000 points, um, and he cannot miss. But I, if you if you give me if you say Cooper, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden will not be injured and they will play every single game together in the playoffs, I would take them in a heartbeat. But that's just not the case. And so I definitely think this team should probably going to have to reassess and figure things out. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree with you. I know I've been tough on you know, three out of these four teams I've called pretenders. But, I mean, I think the Nets, they are pretenders right now. I um, feel like I'm watching last year all over again with them. I mean, there's, there's just no chemistry because all three of them cannot get on the court together. Yes, they're a tier above the Lakers, but at the same time, they still cannot get on a court together. And all the reports are saying that Harden's really unhappy living in New York, and KD's hurt right now with a knee injury, which is really concerning. And Kyrie can only play on the road, so the, it's just impossible to develop chemistry for a deep playoff run for them. And the roster around them that supports them is not that good either. So um, it's just times are pretty bleak in Brooklyn right now and New York for that matter. But um, it's I think they're pretenders. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sucks to say because they're I mean, everybody at the beginning of the year wanted that Brooklyn L.A. matchup. And I know you just mentioned L.A. Um, and neither of those teams, I think, are contenders this year, uh, right. even in the slightest, um, especially with LeBron having knee swelling. I mean, that's just a scary thing to say about a 37-year-old. No, he's not yeah. 37, is he? Yeah, I think 37? he is. Yeah, he's 37, yeah. Phew. Yeah, no, that's a scary thing to say about a 37-year-old who's played his butt off all year. Yeah. Um, I, th I think Brooklyn just needs to kind of, by no means, reset 
keep one or two of the guys, but get some pieces around them. Um, you need to get some depth on that team. And what's crazy is a couple of years ago, I remember the Brooklyn Nets being one of the most fun teams with D-Lo, Jared Allen. Oh, yeah. Um, that team was super fun. And, like, I'd probably venture to say that they would give me more hope in a seven-game series than the team that they have right now. God, what's the name of that coach that was that D-Lo coach? I, he was, he's a New Yorker. This is going to kill me. He's an assistant somewhere. God, I can't think of his name. Kenny Atkinson? Yeah, Kenny Atkinson. God, he 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 deserves to be a coach in this like I, I used to love uh, watching his interview. Agree. It's a Brooklyn Nets coach with a Brooklyn accent. It was fantastic, and he he overachieved with that team. I mean, nobody seems to be able to win with D'Lo, and he did. So props to oh, him. Yeah, I mean this this team was literally D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, Jared Allen, Damari Carroll, Ed Davis, Jared Dudley, uh, Joe Harris, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Karis Levert. I mean, that was just, it was a team that you never expected, and they overachieved and uh, finished sixth that year, and I think they lost in the first round um, versus the 76ers. They, they lost in five, but, I mean, they were just a super fun team and yeah. super overachievers. But Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One last thing. Uh, after seeing the way Kyle Anderson played tonight, or do you want to trade him tomorrow or the next day? <laughs> You know, um, I really, like, in all seriousness, I do think Kyle Anderson will be uh, dealt um, by February 10th. I think they'll they'll move off his expiring contract, um, probably get a younger guy that's similar to him. But, yeah, he did not have his best game tonight <laughs> whatsoever. Um, started out strong, had the nice and one, but yeah, he, oh lord, it was rough. God, dude. We had a four also, on one and Kyle ended up with the ball and hit front rim on a layup oh, and I'm just like, I know. I'm like, what the I hell like, is this? What are we, I was like, alright guys, there's definitely a term called too much unselfishness. Just somebody dunk the ball. One <laughs> on four. Just dunk it, please. Yeah. But also, major shout out to Kevin Porter Jr. for being the dumbest human being <laughs> to chirp Wardell Stephen Curry. The man literally drained a three in Steph's face and then started chirping and then Steph proceeded to drop 21 on this man in the fourth quarter alone. Bro, I thought nothing was going to snap him out of the slump and then KPJ talked shit and that was all it took. He goes off for 40 piece. <laughs> I, I mean, he must not have known who he was guarding. Like, I mean, he must not have known like yeah. you must not have known that that was Wardell Stephen Curry playing across from you because yeah. you definitely started talking mad crap and then all of a sudden had you went to a water park for the last eight minutes of that game. Yeah, I agree. I think I was looking at Steph's numbers today. Actually, I really think that he's gonna go on a tear these last three months, bro. He he has never shot below I think forty one or forty percent from three. He's at thirty five right now for the year. It's not it's not even for Ooh. the month for the year for. 35 i'm like golly and that's steph jaw shooting 35 right now cooper i mean that's just yeah that's yeah steph, so, steph's gonna come back from that it's gotta be some regression back to the mean with him i think he's gonna have just a hellacious final few months of the year 100 uh, percent. i mean his name he don't go by wardell Stephen curry for no mm -hmm. reason I mean, he's nasty so baby face assassin for sure Yo. all right goop you have a great night my friend and i will talk to you real soon sounds good you as well 
All right, that's a wrap on today's pod. Special thanks to Cooper for coming on. Special thanks to everyone that listened today. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend.